take your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. I'll read two verses here. I'll read verse 5 and verse 6. First John chapter 2 and verse 5, the Bible says, But whoso keepeth his word... In Him verily is the love of God perfected, or in Him is truly the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in Him. He that say he abideth in Him ought also so to walk, even as He walked. So the title of this morning's message is to walk like He walked, to walk like Christ. And when we say to walk like he walked, we're obviously not talking about his stride or his gait, but we're talking about uh, the testimony of Jesus Christ. We're talking about his reputation and demeanor, his way of life and disposition, how he handled circumstances and, and how he dealt with people. Jesus Christ, as we call ourselves, we call ourselves Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, He is our example. And He left us an example of His testimony, of His way of life in the Scripture. And and it's it's there to teach us. As we talk about our our walk, our our journey in our Christian life, I I think of the book called Pilgrim's Progress. I don't know if uh, if any of you have read that, but John Bunyan lived in, in 1620s through 1680, and as a young man, he was, uh, he was born again, he was converted, and he became a preacher in the nonconformist group, and uh, he was eventually imprisoned in England, in, uh, in Bedford, England, for preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in front of the Anglican Church of England, he wouldn't stop, and they imprisoned him for 12 years for doing this. And while he was in jail for this, while he was in prison for this, he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, which is the, is, is the most significant work in the English literature. Uh, all the great uh, uh, writers uh, talk about Pilgrim's Progress, have written about it. It has been in, in print uh, for 400 years. It's never gone out of print. Um, it was translated into 200 languages, and more copies of Pilgrim's Progress have been sold in the English language than any other book other than the Bible. And uh, it's powerful. I've, I've read it twice, and it, it, uh, it is, it's, it's, it's got to be inspired by God. It's so simple and so uh, 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 easy that a kid can understand it, but it's really deep in how uh, our Christian life and our Christian walk um, is affected throughout. So he, the, the story of the book is there's this man named Christian who leaves the city of destruction on his way to the celestial city, right? And he has to 
get on the king's highway to get there, and he goes through mountains and valleys and across uh, uh, you know horrible places, bad places, through cities like Vanity Fair and all these sort of things. He encounters all these different people, the king's servants, and, and he also they try to help him. And he also encounters all these enemies that try and lure him away off the off the path, off the straight and narrow path. He meets. All these different people like Hopeful and the Wise Man and Mr. Worldly and Ignorance and Hypocrisy and, and Mr. Flatter attempts to get him off the path and all these great things. He's at one point overcome by the giant of despair and locked up in the Doubting Castle and, and, and all these sort of things are, are like our life and our journey. And as we're going along, we are going to have uh, uh, things, temptations... Obviously, that confront us, decision points, crossroads. We're going to have discouragements. We're going to have setbacks, right? But along this journey, the Lord has given us uh, a roadmap uh, to to life. And and He's given us an example of, of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our example and His attributes and how they can benefit us. You know... Jesus Christ, He came to earth for multiple reasons, right? God came to earth, uh, one, to, to save us, but, but He also came to be an example. He could have just told us how to live, right? But He became our example, which is, which is a, a mark of a, the great, a great leader. As we look at Jesus Christ's life and we look at His his decisions that he make, and we see things that he did that we could emulate, things that we could uh, learn from. I would say that the first thing is that Jesus Christ, his life, that he pleased in his life, he pleased the Father. He pleased the Father. In John chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he. And that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And that He sent me, that is, and He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. You know what Jesus Christ said? He said, "Hey, I came to do." The will of the Father. I came to fulfill it. And, and of course we understand that Jesus Christ and God, they're one. They're inseparable. They're in unity as part of the Trinity. But He's saying, hey, I, I don't do anything that the Father's not doing. I don't say anything. This is what Jesus Christ said. I, I don't say anything that the Father's not saying. He is one with Him, and and, and obviously that is where we're. That's what we're striving for in our Christian life, is it not? That what we're doing, we we want to be doing what the Father is doing. We want to be saying what the Father is saying. That would be uh, our hope, our dream, what He wants done, what He wants said. You've heard it said before that so many times we we pray and ask God to to bless whatever we're doing. You know, Lord, this is what I'm doing, and bless it. Right? But what about us finding out what God's doing, and just 
and just get involved in doing that because whatever God's doing is already blessed, is it not? And so just finding out, hey, what is God? What is God doing in the world today? What does He want from us and what is He doing? You know, as children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, hasn't He done so much for us? Aren't we so blessed? Aren't we? I mean, think about what he what he's done for us in forgiving us and, and adopting us into his family and all the blessings that he has in store for us. Paul talked about that. He said, I, I, I don't think that the that the, the, the suffering of this present time should be or could be compared to the blessing that shall be revealed in us. The blessing that we have coming, the great wonderful uh, uh, promises of Jesus Christ for our future. He says, this should not be compared with the sufferings that maybe we have to go through at this time. When we think about pleasing God, this is a decision, I believe, in all of our lives that we need to put God first, just as Christ did. Let me ask you a question. Was Christ as much concerned about pleasing man as He was His Father? So many times we're caught up in this peer pressure of this world that we care too much what people think, their opinion of us. And really what we should, as followers of Jesus Christ, and this is not in a rude way or crude way, but we should care first what the Father thinks. Right? Shouldn't we try to please God before we try and please man? It was was Peter in Acts chapter 5. Right? The same man, as, as we talked about a few weeks ago, he denied Christ under pressure, under peer pressure. Peter denied Christ. But you know what? After he was filled with the Spirit and sent out in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, Peter, he's being brought before the council. He's being brought before the same high priest that had Christ crucified. And you know what he said? Was they were accusing him and telling him not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ anymore. He said in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, he said, then, then Peter and the apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. Right. Amen. In other words, Peter said, Hey, I'm going to try and get along with you. I'm not going to purposely go against what you say, but listen, I have to, I, I give an account to God. And I must please God before I worry about pleasing God. Man, what pleases God? What pleases God? His children do. You do. That interesting. But we please God. When we accept Him, when we trust Him, just like the song we sang this morning, when we put our trust in Him, He loves that. He knows. He knows our faults. The Bible says He knows that we're but grass. We appear for a little time and vanish away, right? But even in our even in our sometimes sinful nature, even with the the frailties that we have when we love him and when we trust him, when we choose him, that pleases him. That pleases God. As his children, as as a daughter, as a son. The Bible says in first John chapter three and verse two, beloved, now, now. Are we the sons of God? You know, so many times we think of future tense. You know, one day we're going to be in heaven. One day we're going to be, obviously. But now, now, God sees us as His children. Wouldn't it be good for us to see ourselves as God sees us? As His children? As those that bring Him pleasure and bring Him glory? 
Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17, Jesus is being baptized. And what, what, what did the Father say about Jesus? A voice from heaven, what He said? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am what? Well pleased. Let me say this. If you're in Christ, and Christ is in you, God's well pleased with you. You're born of Him. You're part of, you've taken on His nature. And He loves you. That's exciting to me. Uh, seeing yourself as God sees you. That'll help us, right? Uh, wouldn't that help us? Getting the right perspective on, on things. You know what else pleases God? Faith pleases God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. It is impossible to please God without faith. It's faith that pleases God. It's faith that brings us to salvation, right? Take your Bibles and turn to Colossians. We're going to turn to a couple of scriptures this morning, but turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. You say, how, did I, how, how does a person come to Christ? They come through faith. You know, the Bible, it, it takes faith. It takes faith to believe the Bible, doesn't it? There's no, I've said this here before, but there's no coincidence that the very first verse of your Bible is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't know about you, but that takes faith to believe. Doesn't it? That's a big, that's a big verse. God created everything. I believe it. But you know what I believe it by? I believe it by faith. It's a, this, is, this, this Bible, it takes faith to access. It takes faith to see. It takes faith to believe. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 5. The Bible says, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Church at Colossae, they were steadfast in their faith toward Jesus Christ. Look at verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ, Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in Him. We're talking about our walk. We're talking about our Christian walk this morning. And Paul the Apostle says to the church at Colossae, the same way that you received Christ, in other words, the same way that you came to Christ, continue to walk with Christ. How did we come to Christ? How is it that we came to Christ? How is it that we received salvation? By grace, through what? And so how are we to continue our Christian life? How are we to continue our walk with Christ? By what? By faith. By, and, and believe me, all of us are going to need grace. We're going to need, we're going to need the grace of God in our daily lives, are we not? <laughs> if we didn't have His grace, we'd be in trouble a long time ago. But His faith, faith in Christ. You say, how are we to walk? By grace, through faith. Abiding in Him, believing in Him, just trusting Him. I know we've talked about this here before, but it's worth it now again. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23, we have the fruits of the Spirit. And there's nine of them, right? The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. The first three I've talked, we've talked about are inward, right? Love, joy, and peace. Someone asked me last week, they uh, were going through some things, gave me a phone call, and they said, how do we have happiness? 
They said, how, how, where does happiness come from? Does God, and they asked me this question, does God want us to be happy? And I said, you know what? If we're abiding in Christ and we have the fruits of the Spirit as believers, I believe love in your heart, joy in your heart, peace in your heart, will result in what? Happiness. Regardless of your outside circumstances. If you have real love, real joy, real peace inside, right? You know, God, He works on the, from the inside out. Have you ever noticed that? A lot of times man and religion, they'll work from the outside and somehow try to get that to work in, right? Change all the outside stuff and try and work in. But the fruits of the Spirit, they start inside. They start with love. They start with joy. They start with peace. It will begin to result in an outward fruits. What are the outward fruits? The next three, right? The next three are what? Gentleness, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. Being able to suffer with others a long time. Being gentle with others. Being good to others. You know, as, as, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, that would help us to have an impact on people, wouldn't it? If we were gentle with them, if we were good to them, if we could suffer with them a long time, right? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a gift to your family? Wouldn't that be a gift to your co-workers if you, if you were gentle and good and kind and could suffer with them a long time? Wouldn't those be some good fruits in your life? But lastly, and the reason why I bring this all up, is third, those are upward. So you got one, the first three that are inward, the next three that are outward, and the last three that are upward. It's pretty amazing to think that in our life, through abiding in Christ and fellowshipping with Him, that in our tree we could have some fruit that God could come by and pick off and say, wow, that is well-pleasing to me. In other words, there are characteristics that we can take on from Christ that God the Father is pleased with. You see that? And what are those? It's faith, right? Meekness, which is humility, which is uh, not being easily provoked, uh, not being easily irritated. That's meekness. And, and temperance. Temperance is moderation, a balance, no overindulgences. But faith, faith pleases God. You know what faith is? It's confidence in God, I like this, in a practical way. So many times as Christians we say, yeah, we believe in God, we, we, you know, we believe God can do anything until something happens in our life. And then we get you know, anxious and scared and stressed and worried and all those sort of things. But, but faith, it, it works out in a practical way. That the things that we face and the circumstances that we encounter, when they come to us, we engage our faith. That is action, right? And, and we, we don't have to have the fears. We don't have to have the anxieties and the stress. Why? Because we truly believe and have confidence in God. That's faith. It's, it's action. Faith is, I've said this so many times before, but faith is not, is not, it is not necessarily inward. It is outward. It is, you know, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith, Abraham moved. By faith, Noah built. By faith, everybody, when they had faith, they, they, there was action with it. And those actions by having confidence and belief in God, pleases God. Trusting that, hey, whatever we face and whatever we go through, whatever direction that we go in our life and in our walk, we can believe God. 
And that will please God. Isn't that wonderful? I, I believe it in, in, the heart, in all of our hearts that we want to please God. And the wonderful thing is, is that we can. There's nothing worse than wanting to please someone that you can't please. But God the Father, He's easy to please. He loves us because we're His children. He loves us because we believe in Him. The Bible says, Paul tells Timothy, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know, if, you, uh, if you're walking with Christ, if you're living with Christ, if, if we're in this world, we're a soldier, right? <laughs> if someone told you by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior that the life was going to be a bed of roses and everything's going to be easy and no problems and no troubles after that, it's not quite true. There's a lot, of, a lot of examples throughout the Scripture that this is a battle, that this is a war down here, right? And you're a soldier, but he says, hey, no good soldier entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Why? Why don't you do that? So that you can please him that's called you to be the soldier. You know what that is? It's cutting yourself free. Cutting yourself free from, like I said earlier, really being free from the, what others' opinions of are, what others' opinion is of you. So many times when we worry about what people think about us and what we worry about what people's opinion is of us, it, it really just stunts our growth. It stunts our progress. It stunts, our, it stunts everything. You just don't worry what, what the world thinks about us. I'm not, I'm not talking about being rude and crude. If we take on the attributes of Christ, if we have the fruits of the Spirit, and we're gentle with people and good to people and long-suffering with people, ultimately that's gonna, people are going to want to be around us. But, but that shouldn't be our gauge. We shouldn't, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't really care what others say. We should, we should care about who, our, our commander-in-chief, <laughs> the one that called us to this warfare, the one that, it, the one, that one day we're going to give an account to. I don't give, we're not going to give an account to this world. One day we are going to give an account to our Heavenly Father. And all of us, all of us want to hear that well done, a good and faithful servant. My beloved son, my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. You know what? We're going to have to be focused on what we're doing here and who we're trying to please here and how that we need to engage ourselves in faith and not be entangled with this world. Jesus, He pleased the Father. Next, Jesus, He always walked in the Spirit. Right? Now you say, well, that's a given. <laughs> it was His Spirit. The Spirit testifies of Christ. It's part of the Trinity. They're one. But, but He did it. The Bible talks about the Spirit led Christ many times. And the Spirit anointed Him. And all those things. Why? For our example. It was, again, it's for our example. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. The Bible says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Isn't it interesting? All three parts of the Trinity were mentioned in that verse. So the Holy Spirit would lead Christ and, 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 and guide him. You know, for us as, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, the only way to live is spirit-filled and spirit-led. 
You say, how do you do that? How do you get that? How do you get that filling? How do you get full of the Holy Spirit? Hey, it's a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that in Ephesians. You say, how do you do that? It's through abiding in Christ and fellowshipping in Christ and seeking Him, asking Him, acknowledging Him in all your ways. Lord, I want to be filled. I want to be led by Your Spirit today. I want You to guide me in my decisions in, in, in my actions, and in my emotions. I mean, I just want to be overwhelmed by God's Spirit. And I, and, and I want to be led by it, and I want other people to see Him through me. Look, when you're, when you're around someone that is full of God, full of His Spirit, you, you don't miss it. There's a joy there. There's a peace there. There's a zeal there. There's a power there. There's a boldness there. It comes through that. The Bible says in Galatians 5.16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the what? Lusts of the flesh. You say, how are we going to be able to overcome those, those fleshly desires that destroy us, that hurt us, that bring us down, that tear us down? Be filled with the Spirit. You say, how am I going to get away from these vices or problems in, in, in my life, these, this, uh, the thoughts, uh, the depression, the, the doubt. How am I going to get away from that? Seek God, walk with God, and you know what? You'll overcome those fleshly things. Spirit is greater than that, right? To try and live the Christian life, to try and walk the Christian life without the Spirit, is frustrating. It's hard, actually. It's hard. it's hard to be nice. It's hard. You know, if you try to love people, if you try to, that's frustrating. But, but if you just love people, because, because you realize how much you're loved, because you realize how much you've been forgiven, because the love of God just flows through you and you can't help but forgive them. You can't help but love them. You can't help but have joy. Not a fake joy, a real joy. Without it, without it, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Without it, man, the Christian life could be just like grinding and hard. It's like, oh, I know how I'm supposed to act and I know how I'm supposed to look, but I don't feel it inside, you know? I know I'm supposed to be nice to them, but I don't like them, you know? <laughs> that sort of thing. It shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't. It should be spirit-filled and then it should what? Just come out naturally. How hard do trees try to have fruit? How hard do trees try to have fruit? They don't. The fruit just comes what? Naturally. Why? When you're, once the roots are down in there getting the nutrients they need, the fruits will just come. The fruits will just come. That Holy Spirit, boy, we get filled with His Spirit. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1 that the, whole, the Spirit, Matthew 4, 1, the Spirit led Christ into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan. Right? Matthew 4 1. Spirit led Christ into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan or tested. Let me ask you a question. Did the Spirit lead Christ into the wilderness to be tested or tempted for defeat? No. He led him in there for what? For victory. He led him in there to show that Christ could overcome the temptation of sin. Why? The Bible says Christ was in all points tempted like we are, 
yet without sin. And when we get spirit-filled and spirit-led, the Holy Spirit may lead us into some circumstances of testing that are tough, that are hard, but it's for our victory. He is leading us. Look, you don't have a victory without a fight. If you're spirit-filled and spirit-led, He's going to lead us into some fights. The Holy Spirit's not afraid of a fight. And, and, and the first thing he'll fight is self. The self-will, the self, uh, selfishness. The first thing he'll go to battle with when you're, when you're full of the Spirit is, is your carnality, your, your sinfulness in you. And then he may lead you into some fight, some darkness and some evil. That's why the Bible tells us to put on the what? Whole armor of God. Why? Because if you're Spirit-led, you're going to need it. He's going to take you right into the front lines, right into that. But it's all for good. It's all for victory. He's not leading us there to show our defeat. He's leading us there to give us victory. Spirit-filled, spirit-led. You know, so many times we think of the whole armor of God as, as, uh, as defensive. And quite frankly, a lot of believers, we are always on the defensive. But some of the some of the, the uh, whole armor of God is for offensive. And the Spirit will lead us into victories that He takes us that we go looking for. What I'm saying is so many times in our Christian life we're saying, I hope I don't get in trouble and I hope I don't fall and I hope I don't mess up and I've got this shield of faith so if the devil ever does attack me I'll be able to stop the wild, you know, the fiery darts of the wicked. Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He says, no, put the whole armor of God on. We're going to charge we're going to go do something for the Lord. We're going to go try and lead someone to Christ and help some folks and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. We're going to charge right into battle when we get the whole armor of God. And that's offensive. Every now and again, it's good for us as believers to go on the offensive, not just defensive. Spirit-filled, spirit-led, that's the way to go. As I've already said, it brings boldness. It brings zeal. It brings, You know, being spirit-led brings energy in the sense of Christian life, you know, if it's gotten to be flat or dull or boring to you, man, just get in close to Christ and get in close to Him. Boy, Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, just charge us up. Give us energy. Fire us up. You ever heard someone say, man, they're, they're on fire for God. I wish we all were on. I wish I was always on fire for God, right? Is there any other way? Is it, you know what, be cold? You know, let's get on fire. On fire for the Lord. That zeal. The boy, you get full of the Holy Spirit, won't be full of zeal. The Bible says in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Hey, we ask the Lord to fill us. We ask the Lord to use us. He'll use the Holy Spirit. He'll use the Holy Spirit to give us those good gifts. Those gifts that will, the, you know, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, right? It gives the church gifts, right? Absolutely. And what's He do that for? For our benefit and for the benefit of others, for the benefit of the church. Pray for it. Ask for it. Ask for, ask for the, the Lord to use you and the Spirit to fill you. Jesus, He walked in His Word. He everywhere he went, he spoke the word words of God. That that example that I used in Matthew chapter four, where 
the Spirit led Christ to be tempted in the wilderness. Uh, there was three temptations. We, we've talked about this before. The pattern of temptation, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Same way that Satan got Eve to fall. And Adam, right? Lust of the flesh. Lust. Satan did the same pattern of temptation to Christ in Matthew chapter 4. He tempted him three times. And what did, uh, what did Christ do each time Satan tempted him? He quoted him scripture. Right? He quoted an Old Testament scripture every time Satan tempted him. You say, did, why did Christ do that? Did he have to do that? He was God. We, we recognize, that, like through the story of Job, that the devil, he, he knows who God is, and he has no power without him. He can do nothing that God doesn't allow. So why did Christ use scripture to defeat Satan? For an example for us, right? It was an example for us. How are we going to be able to do the temptations and the lies of the devil. Hey, what's the best way to be able to, to spot a counterfeit? To know what the real thing is, right? How in the world is it going to be easy for us to be able to discern the lies of the devil? You know what the truth is. When you know what the truth is, everything else is like, no, that's not right. That's not truth. This is the standard. This is, this is what is truth. And Christ, he puts a big premium on the word of God as truth, as our standard, as our foundation, what we believe on. John chapter 5 and verse 24 says, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, truly, truly, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. He said, hey, you believe the word of God, that's salvation. You accept the word of God, that's how you pass from death to life. That's how you become born again, right? He says this in John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said unto the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. What makes us a disciple of Jesus Christ? We follow his word, right? We believe in his word. What's our foundation? The word of God. He says, he says in John chapter 8, verse 37, I know that you're Abraham's seed, talking to the Jewish people, but you seek to kill me because my word had no place in you. They didn't believe the word of, of, of Jesus, so what they want to do? They wanted to kill him. Later in that passage, he says, Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. We talk about the word of the Lord, it takes what? Faith to believe it. And who do we who 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 leads us and guides us into all truth? Who did Christ send to teach us the Word of God? The Holy Spirit, right? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's like the Word of God is it doesn't make sense, right? If we don't have the author living inside of us, this supernatural book to a natural person doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? You, we, we know, I've said this many times, the final authority, the foundation of this local church, Wellspring, is the Word of God. Amen. It's the Bible. It's got to be, right? We don't, we don't, we're not following the traditions of any religion or any, any, any 
man, man's traditions. We're not even following uh, the, a denomination. Why? Because we see they come and go. They're not right. But we follow the Word of God, which is truth. That's why we call ourselves independent. Independent Baptists. Really, we should change that though. We should call ourselves dependent. We should be dependent. You know who we're dependent on? We're dependent on Jesus Christ. We're dependent on Him because without Him, this is, we can do nothing, right? Without Him, we can do nothing. But it's more than just saying, I stand on the Bible. I've heard a lot of folks say, I stand on the Bible and I believe it, but they don't live it and they don't read it. Isn't it more important to read it? Isn't it more important to hide it away in your heart? Let me ask you this question. Is the Word of God precious to you? I mean precious to you. Like, you search after it like hidden treasures. Like, it's first thing you want in the morning. That you think about it throughout the day. The Word of God. Or, have we as believers, as we as followers of Christ, somehow figured out a way to get through the day without it? That's scary, isn't it? We talk about this a lot here. I do believe that that's, how, that's one of the ways to be filled with the Spirit. Is to get full of the Word of God. Be, be, be eating, drinking, feeding on His Word. It's better to be a doer of a Word than just a hearer. When we're filled with the Word of God, we'll grow in grace, we'll grow in love, we'll grow in truth, and this will give us compassion toward others. Jesus Christ, when He walked on this earth, He was compassioned. Uh, he had compassion toward others, toward the people of this world, toward, toward uh, individuals. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. that He, gave, he didn't love this world system, right? The, the, the system that crucified Him. He didn't love the system. He loved the people. He loved you and I. He loved everyone. Those that have been deceived, those that have been uh, uh, can't see the truth, he loved them and he had compassion on them, everyone. The Bible says that he he uh, he was a friend to sinners. That's what the Bible says about Jesus. That he was a friend to sinners. He had compassion on them. He loved them. He loved them. He loved them so much that he gave, he gave his life to, to save us. The Bible says in Matthew 9, 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. I like that. I like that the Bible says he was moved with compassion. There's so many people that that they say they have compassion, but it doesn't move them. Compassion is is an emotion that moves you. It's like faith. Puts you to action. He, he says that he was moved with compassion because they were like a, they were like sheep that didn't have a shepherd. The nation of Israel they were under a religious system at that point that was was only causing the circumstances to be worse. Right? He said he had compassion on those folks. Hey, five times throughout the Gospels the Bible says he was moved with compassion. Hey, I believe that if we're filled with God's Spirit, if we're led, if we walk like Christ, we're going to be moved with compassion. We're going to uh, find ourselves opening, in our, opening our mouths and telling others the good news of Jesus Christ. Spreading the hope. Giving folks hope. Hey, we need, this world needs hope. And there's hope in Jesus Christ. 
In closing, I want to read one more verse here in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. The Bible says, 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. As we walk in the light, He frees us. He cleanses us from all sin. By nature, we are born into sin. We're under the dominion of darkness. But because of Jesus Christ, praise God, we can be freed. We can escape. We can be set free from those things and walk in the light. There are two privileges here of walking in the light. The one is fellowship. Right? A fellowship. That's what it means to be spirit-led. That's what it means to walk in that fellowship with God. That's a privilege. That's what Really, that's what we were created for, is, is a relationship with God and a, and a walk with Him. And second privilege is forgiveness, pardon, atonement, justification. And again, that's not by works. That's by grace through faith, right? And how did that come? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Doesn't it say that? Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are cleansed from our sin. We have examples in the, in the Old Testament Adam and Eve, after their sin, what did they do? They, they covered their nakedness with what? Fig leaves. It's a picture of works. But what did, what did God do? He sacrificed an animal and took the skin of an animal and made of coats, right? The blood was shed for their sin. The works, the fig leaves didn't work. Same with Cain and Abel, right? What did, what did Abel bring? He brought a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. What was the sacrifice? It was a blood sacrifice. What did Cain bring? He brought vegetables of the fruit of his own hands, of his own work, right? And it's a picture of works for trying to work for our salvation. But we don't. God's not pleased with our works for salvation. What is God pleased with? A blood sacrifice. Who is our blood sacrifice? Jesus Christ. That's how we find that forgiveness. That's what gives us the... That's what sets us free, and that's what gives us the the privilege of a fellowship with Him. So as we close, what are you going to do? What are we going to do this week to walk with Him? Walk like Christ. Be, as Christ is our example, how are we going to make changes in our lives to follow Him? What are we going to do? I'm, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit worked and said something to us that hey this is what we have to do this is what we have to change put his finger on something in your heart to say hey this is what needs to needs to be different maybe it's receiving believing him how how is it that we're going to please him we'll have a moment of prayer if you'd uh, bow your heads uh, let's ask ask the lord to fill us wouldn't it be wouldn't it be wonderful if all of us this week walked around spirit-filled, spirit-led, walking in truth, pleasing the Father, what would that look like? Dearly Father God, we come before you today, and Lord, we're asking you to 
help us to reflect your Son, Jesus Christ, through our life. I pray that you would uh, fill us this week with, with uh, your Spirit, that God, that you would use us. God, we need you. Lord, we need you more than anything. We need to be completely dependent upon you. But God, when we are, I believe that you'll, you will guide us. Lord, if we just walk in the light, we can have fellowship with you. We can rejoice in the forgiveness that you've given us and the joy and be filled with those fruits of the Spirit in our life. God, that would be a blessing to us and everyone around us be a blessing to you. God, I pray that not just us as individuals would be pleasing to you, but God, I pray that us as a church, we would be pleasing to you. God, that we would glorify you and honor you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for sending your Son to pay for our sin. We thank you for that sacrifice that makes it possible for us to be completely free from sin. Lord, we help us just to recognize that and live in it and walk after the Spirit this week. Lord, we love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.